Welcome to Food and Loathing, where we believe that if you are what you eat, everyone should be delicious all the time. But we promise to refrain from tasting each other during the podcast to test the accuracy of this theory. It's a health district thing. God, now I can't unsee that idea. I am your host, Al Mancini, coming to you this week from Bala Italian Soul in the Sahara Resort on the one and only Las Vegas Strip. I will be handling the hosting duties solo this week. Our frequent co-hosts are either unavailable or under the weather right now. And let's be honest, I'm really too old to start making new friends at this point. So, you know, we'll work with what we got. (laughs) Luckily, I am, as always, joined by another old dog, an audio dog, that is, who knows all the old tricks and quite a few of the newer ones. I can only be speaking, of course, about MCRJ. Our producer, Rich Johnson. Yes, I still know how to use a razor blade and splice audio tape. Oh, man, I haven't there's, done that in a while. Well, there's no tape to splice anymore, but hey. You know. A couple of things I know how to do with a straight razor. That's one of them, <laughs> and I haven't done either of them in a very long time. Um, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad we're back here. I have not been in this building in a couple of years since the big remodel. And um, I've heard those pictures, those beautiful pictures, including the one of uh, Louis Prima in the lounge. If you want to know what this place looked like back in the day, 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 go stream yourself the original Ocean's Eleven. Not the oh. greatest movie in the world, still oh, it's one of the my greatest favorites. Movie in the ma- world. It, I, I love. That I movie. love it. I have. It's the only movie I have actually downloaded on my iPad, and I watch it on the airplanes all the time. I, but I do, do you remember watching it the first time and going, "Is Sammy Davis Jr. really playing a singing and dancing garbage man?" Yes. Like that yes, he is. Like, what? <laughs> and I love that song to this day. But there, the scene of the only other there's only that little short Ocean's Eleven song, and then there's Dean Martin singing ain't that a hole in the head uh, whatever it's called ain't that a kick in the head ain't that a kick in the head and it's done in the lounge here at the sahara just like that picture of louis prima you can see that it's the very sort of stage above the bar and so that's what that place looked like and they're doing a nice job of evoking some of that but still moving forward because it is let me check my watch oh 2022 yeah, the the Sahara is. They just had their seventieth anniversary yeah. party. Um, that you know, this is this is the place that I can only imagine that maybe when my grandfather was coming to Vegas and and then he'd always come home and bring dice back and shoot me how to teach me how to shoot crafts. <laughs> that this could have been like one of the places that he was rolling through during those trips. Yeah. That's still around. This in Caesar's Palace. Um, but you know, I love the vibe. It has a great history here, music wise. These these guys brought the Beatles to the U.S. for the yeah. first time for a show right down the street here, not actually yeah. at the Sahara, but um, couldn't fit. They had they had to last minute go to the convention center, which was about the. F- four iterations ago of the convention center yeah, yeah. and jammed the eight nine thousand people into that thing yeah uh, it has such a fantastic history and it, in my own life it has a great history this was the place 2001 2002 you moved to las vegas and they still had one dollar and two dollar blackjack tables that were really easy to get your hands on and we yeah. my wife and i would come in and they would comp you a room if you would gamble one and two dollars wow long enough now i mean the rooms at that point hadn't been renovated in quite some time. yeah um so you know we would come in we'd blow through you know we come in with like 
40 bucks each. We'd either win it or lose it. We'd get comped our room. We'd get shit-faced drunk. <laughs> and um, then when we went to check in in our comp room, I'd throw a 20 to somebody at the desk, and they'd give us a suite, which, again, not renovated. But, yeah. um, you know, it's that's a little harder to do these days in Vegas, those yeah. um, upgrades at the front desk. But So I had a lot of great, I don't want to say memories, because so much Jaeger, so many Jägermeister <laughs> shots went into those evenings at the blackjack tables. But a lot of yeah. time here. Memory uh, theoretical. Yeah. Okay. And you know what was interesting? When they, I don't want to say anything negative about when the SLS took it over, but I was never impressed. Um, from day one, I felt like it was kind of a lipstick on a pig situation. Yeah. Um, you know, work. the fresh coat of paint on a place that has cool old bones and maybe we could do something. And that attitude, that, that works in New York, that works in L.A., that works yeah. maybe even in Miami where you take a classic old building that's run to shit yeah. and you just make it look fancy in weird little ways. That doesn't work in Las Vegas. And I think that the SLS proved that that wasn't a good model. The new owners of the Sahara have not tried to do that. They yeah. have tried to do a real rebuild. They've tried to do a real rebrand. They've tried to really upgrade. Yeah, They're not just throwing a fresh coat of paint on things, but really seem to be investing in the property. Yeah. They're, they're experienced casino folks. They have one of the bigger ones in Reno. Yeah. And so they know what they're doing. And what really proves the story about the SLS not working in Vegas, SLS still works just fine in L.A. and Miami Beach. Yeah, and look, that's the thing. I mean, like when I was young and hip, and I know that was forever ago, but you know, when you live in New York or LA, you know, it would be great. All the rich people love to come down to a shitty, divey neighborhood for a trendy place that used to yeah. be in a nice hotel or a nice building, and that somebody didn't put a lot of money into really renovating it. I mean, you know, these were also the days of raves where oh, warehouse yeah. parties were big, and you know, and the Nomad grew out of that idea too, right? Of, yeah, yeah. of buying an old building with classic bones and just trying to kind of give it that rock and roll chic. Yeah. And, th and that's the thing. If you're going for that exile on Main Street yeah. kind of rock and roll chic, you can have a place that's a little run down, but that you put a little gold glitter up and it looks fabulous. Yeah. Vegas people want things that are new. They want attention to detail. They want you to yeah. be modern. And I think that the current owners of the Sahara are both, both respecting its history, but they know that they have to make it a modern hotel. Yeah. And I give them congrats on that. So, um, hey, we got to move on with the show, though, um, now that I'm done kissing the Sahara's ass, but thank you for having us, Sahara. <laughs> yeah. I do love this place, and I mean, God, they got yeah, they got bizarre meat right next door, which is one of the, the greatest. The, the surviving place of all the original SLS uh, uh, venues. Yeah, bizarre meat, and um, happy to have them here because that's one of the best restaurants in yes. Las Vegas. Yes, it is. Better yet, when somebody else is paying. Yeah, but yeah. Um, <laughs> worth the money if you can afford it. Absolutely, down to the penny, worth the money if you can afford it. Um, so it's time to talk about what we've done. Um, Rich, you said you have something brief, so. Uh, well, yeah, yeah no, I'm going to let got you do that because i got some long-ass yeah, tale yeah. to tell about Salt Bay. So I, let's kick things off with you. Just got back from New Orleans for a good friend's wedding. Uh, in fact, you remember Steve Heitner, the actor who played Banya on Seinfeld, and we did a podcast for a couple of years, and you were a guest a couple of times. He still owes me a, a, a whiskey the way that um, Jerry Seinfeld still owes him a soup or a meal oh, on that <laughs> based says, on that. Right. Whiskey <laughs> is not a meal. Right. No, well, no, whiskey and um, the Lucky Penny was not the whiskey that I expected from uh, him based okay. on our bet. So, so uh, <laughs> uh, I did not start off great in New Orleans last Thursday. I was I got in late. I um, uh, didn't find the rest of the wedding party, so I just sort of wandered around the French Quarter. I wanted I wanted a shrimp, oh boy, in the French Quarter. I yeah. had one years ago. I thought, okay. But then the, the, the good place was closing at 9 o'clock on a Thursday. They were closing. And so I went around the corner to some place called Oceana, I think it was. Not the nice, super mm -hmm. big deal Oceana Ocean Room or whatever. Right. And I had a hurricane 
I like saw your hurricane with on the, the, the yeah. with the uh, dry ice uh, coming out of it, and the, and a po' boy at the bar, and it was awful. You know it that's was, a shame because my favorite po' boys in New Orleans, and I've actually shot a TV show, never aired, with John yeah. Curtis. Um, some people may know, and my friend um, Sean O'Malley, in the place where the po' boy was invented, yeah. right? And I've had po' boys in. Dive bars that I've oh, never I know heard of, great. and that's and what the I was dive thinking. bar ones are always just as good, in my opinion. Yeah, and if not better. But this, uh, I, I threw the dice to use the Vegas metaphor, and there's a Harris Casino right there in the French Quarter. Oh yeah, there is. And I lost, but I made up for it Friday afternoon. I took the Canal Street streetcar, the one you know, mm-hmm. I, as I said, the, the streetcar named Ambivalence. Yes, <laughs> or whatever. Uh, a couple miles uh, well north of the, the tourist zone, kind of like leaving the Strip when you come to Vegas. And I stumbled upon a New Orleans institution. I was later told, Mandina's, been around since 1932. Just a nice big multi-room old house turned into a restaurant back in 1932, mm-hmm. doing the classics. And I had the lunch special of shrimp etouffee, a side of corn, you know. The, Corn was out of the can and the little mushrooms were out of the can, but it was just perfect for what this was. The brown sauce, not hot, just super rich, super deep. At least a dozen decent-sized shrimp in there. The requisite mound of rice in a bowl, 25 bucks. And a whole bunch of bread I couldn't eat. It was just too much. (laughs) Awesome. And, of course, I had the perfect beverage for that, which would be a Diet Coke. Diet Coke. Yeah, you want you you can't have the lights up. You you don't go for the sprite. You want you want the deeper one. Okay. You know for the for that. I have no idea the logic behind that, but yeah, man, yeah, you're yeah. you're the man. It's so. like white and red. You know. Okay. <laughs> uh, nice rehearsal dinner at a restaurant called Justine in the French Quarter. Uh, the very fine meals, uh, considering they were doing 120 covers all at once, and that's mm-hmm. not how they usually do it. So they were a little in the weeds. But I was watching them pound out French onion soups, and I got inspired, and I just made. Uh, a huge beef stock overnight. I had it in my cooker for 14 hours, mm. and I'm making French Indian soup this weekend. Uh, best thing was uh, the rooftop ceremony right after the, uh, the, the the wedding bow in a private residence rooftop. We come down and do the second line. You know what the second line is? No idea. Well, the second line is these little Dixieland bands, uh, like they play at funerals. Well, they also play at weddings. It's about five or six pieces, trombone, trumpet, sousaphone, a couple of drums, maybe a clarinet, and somebody leading. And the deal is the first line is the bride and groom and the leader of the band and the band. And the second line is all the friends and relatives and everybody that went to the wedding and everybody that just sort of on the street joins in and they wave little white handkerchiefs. And we did about a half an hour loop around the French Quarter with a police escort, parade permit, the whole deal. The band playing the whole time. That's so much better than doing that shit at a funeral where the police just escort you down to the. Although in yeah. New Orleans, jazz funeral. Yeah, that's New Orleans. Well this is sort of the. Well. Uh, yeah. But it's a, it seems like a happier reason to do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and we did this uh, three o'clock in the afternoon. And twice again later in the afternoon and once in the evening, somebody else was their second line and the, the wedding couple of up front uh, going away. That was the, the most fun part of. Uh, that sounds like of a blast. being in New Orleans. In the yeah. Big Easy. I did not drink myself stupid uh, all the way to 6 a.m. like my uh, colleagues did, but uh, that's okay. Can't. I don't think I've ever been in New Orleans without drinking myself stupid until 6 a.m., but it's been a while <laughs> I since know. I've been I, in New Orleans. I kind of missed out. Uh, quickly, uh, we went out Monday. Crossroads Kitchen. Finally got there. Plant-based place inside Resorts World. We went for the fall tasting menu. 
Uh, we, we wanted to go light, you know. Let's, let's start eating a little lighter and, you know, more fish. And let's go for plant-based. Oh, we came out of there just full as can be. Yeah. But satisfied. <laughs> but also not full about an hour and a half later because it's vegetables. It's plants. <laughs> First course, truffle mushroom Bianca pizza. Tomatoless pizza with a coconut-based thing that subs for cheese. Maybe the best of the five, I think. Maybe the weakest of the five. Uh, second course, baby beet apple salad. Nicely done beets, but, you know. They're beets. They're beets. Yeah, a little balsamic drizzle, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, third was a thing that made me want more, a scallop fettuccine. The scallops were actually little mushrooms. Uh, I did not taste any sort of seafood evocation, but it was really nice. I wanted a little more sauce on the very nice fresh fettuccine. Fun uh, fact about those scallops yeah? is um, the mushrooms that uh, Chef Tal Ronan uses to make those scallops are the same mushrooms that he uses to make his calamari rings. Oh. Um, I was wondering. I almost wanted to get those just to see what that was about. Yeah, so the same time. mushrooms, um, slightly different preparation. He, I, I've spoken about it, I think, before on this podcast, but he, yeah. he learned a lot about the, the exact weight and get them the right thickness that when they fry up, they really do feel like calamari. Wow. So, um, cool. But I have not had them in the scallop form. Fourth uh, course, uh, the meat course, an eggplant filet, a well-cooked hunk of eggplant covered in a Bordelais wine reduction thing with mushrooms, a fantastic crispy potato roasty on the side. I could have had that all by itself. A little bit of uh, restaurant theater. They brought us out steak knives for the filet, <laughs> and it, I cut it with my fork because mm -hmm. it was a big hunk of, uh, <laughs> Egg of eggplant, but really good. You know, not a steak, but had that sort of feel and all that. Uh, course five, a tangy, creamy, berry crumble thing in a in a glass, not unlike the uh, water glasses we have here. Uh, this one could have actually used some actual cream to cut down on the acidity. But all in all, wonderful, that room. We've never talked about that. This space is so beautiful. It's gorgeous. And the oh old um, classic rock art on the yeah, walls. Yeah, 70s I, music and 70s artists all yeah. over the place. Forget Bowie. the name of the photographer. Very well-known photographer. Yeah. But great shots of Bowie dating back um, to yeah. the early 70s. Great shots of, I think, Elton John Elton John, John on the other side of the wall. Um, There's a Mick Jagger. One of the dicks from the Zeppelin, just because I've met those guys. <laughs> and everyone except bon John Paul Bonham's a dick in that band. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> no, anyway. all right. Uh, $75 for the fall tasting menu, the five-course $35 wine pairing option we did not exercise because we had already had a very strong drink at Wally's <laughs> before we got there. There is a larger seven-course dinner that I think goes for $175 with a wine pairing. That would be way too much, but uh, it was, uh, I'm finally glad I got there. Uh, I've got a, a niece in Portland who is uh, plant-based uh, for several years now, living her life, and is very healthy and is really looking forward to come to Vegas and didn't know what she would eat. And I said, I'm going to show you what to eat. You got to bring her there, man. Yeah. Where all the rock stars eat out in his place in Melrose. You know, it's the sister restaurant of yeah. his L.A. spot, which is super popular among the celebrity. All right. Time for you to go nuts here. Yeah. I mean, you know, I wanted to spend a little time on this. I actually wrote a lot more notes than I normally would. Um, so I appreciate you being brief because I'm about to go super long, but I think this restaurant deserves it. I was invited into Salt Bay's joint, which was a little bit surprising. Now, look, first, I can only assume most of you know what I'm talking about when I say this, because um, I can't remember the last time such a polarizing figure came to Las Vegas. Yeah. For those who don't know, let me start with the basics. Salt Bay is the internet meme nickname for Chef Bush Butcher Nusret Gokay, G-O-C. Yeah. There's a there's Turkish thing. Turkish thing, yeah. yeah. Um, so my apologies for not knowing Turkish. Um, he runs an international chain of restaurants known as Nusser Et. 
and he is known for several things. Sadly, most <laughs> of the things he's known for have very little do to do with his restaurant experience. First, he makes videos in which he seasons and caresses raw meat in a way that some people have described as almost sexual. <sighs> Clearly, those people watch different porn than I watch. <laughs> yes. um, but this this bay, you know. Yeah, yeah, his, yeah. His his most famous move is this flamboyant and hefty dose of rock salt or kosher salt, whatever you want to call it, that he sprinkles from his fingers down his arm onto the beef. Down his big, hairy-ass forearm. People get really upset about the fact that he has hair on his forearms. <laughs> I can't believe you just walked right into that. Um, that last bit is the pose you're most likely to have seen. Honestly, for me, it always draws flashbacks of Freddie Mercury in concert. I don't know why, yeah. but he does. Um, his whole look. And yeah. that's his main move. Uh, some might argue that um, if serving steaks were dancing, his salt sprinkle would be his moonwalk. I mean, it is yeah. just his eye-catching move, and people love it. And honestly, all of that pose posing and posturing, along with some of his intentionally obscene pricing, we're going to get to that, intentionally yeah. obscene pricing, seems to be the reason that a lot of people dislike him. He has jillions, with a J, because I don't know how many zeros to fucking use, of social media followers. And they know him for these videos, not for his food. And that seems to piss off a lot of people. This, of course, is hysterical to me. I mean, I hate watching TikTok videos more than most people, but I not only watch them, I also make them. Because you yeah. have to in this day and age. And if you want to connect with an audience, you make TikTok videos. Nearly every restaurant owner or chef in the world spends a ton of money on social media teams that they hope will stumble across a formula to bring them a fraction of the followers that this guy has. Yeah. It's how the game is played. And no, it has nothing to do with food, but he plays it well. And you know what? So fucking what? <laughs> TV had virtually nothing to do with food until Robin Leach and some of his friends launched the Food Network. And it was actually a rock and roll manager, Shep Gordon, who brought them their first batch of celebrity chefs who were paid nothing or virtually nothing, but used the medium to pimp out their own products. Don't believe me? Yeah. Watch the movie Supermensch. Great yeah. movie also, about Shep and how he did it. I don't know if there's any classic Food Network stuff streaming out there, but I remember first watching around... Uh, early 95 when I moved to Chicago and had cable that had the Food Network and I remember those early Mario he was fuck awful on TV he got better yeah by doing it you do it better by doing it mm -hmm. and a couple of stand and stir shows David Rosengarten one of the founders I actually loved that show but it was one of the most boring shows on there yeah uh, so but I they, learned stuff there. They, they were learning the medium yeah, just yeah. like all chefs are learning TikTok right now and look you remember Emerald's BAM seasoning oh god yeah I mean you know I could get you know everything was with a BAM to this and a BAM to that and it became his trademark and um, and he was selling the seasonings because the truth of the matter was they were not getting paid to be on those shows but they were able to pitch their own product and that's how they, they made their money. Again, watch the movie Superman. It's really intriguing on yeah. that. But, um, you know, I can guarantee you, anyone who hates Salt Bay's gimmicks in 2022 was lamenting the decline of food culture when they saw Emerald shouting BAM at everything he made on TV in 1994 or whenever that was. Lots of those same people attacked Chef Kerry Simon for switching from the elevated dining of John, George, um, John George's Prime to the rock and roll comfort food that he did. Most of those people ended up loving both Emerald and Kerry. They just didn't like the shit that was reaching out to a new audience that had not been the purvey of those types of chefs prior. Oh, yeah. These guys were bringing in new crowds, and that pissed off people that like to have a private foodie playground. I've never been a fan of that big elitist dinosaur bullshit of people who resent what young people are digging into, even though I'm getting to be a dinosaur who doesn't get it myself yeah. anymore. So 
spare me that criticism. Like Emerald, Salt Bay knows how to market, and I'm sorry if you or I are too old or out of touch to appreciate his style or perhaps just not plugged into his media of choice. Marketing is marketing. He's good at it. So I'm not going to... Th- th- there, yeah. said that part. Now, okay? about the food. Well, no, no. There's also more hate. Let's oh, talk okay. more hate. Sorry. People also tend to hate <laughs> on his joints for some of the excess. Take, for example, his gold-plated steaks and other dishes. Yeah. For 400 bucks, they start at 400 bucks for short ribs wrapped in edible gold foil, all the way up to 2200 bucks for a golden Wagyu, tam- Wagyu tamahawk or a 2400 golden giant wow steak. Um... I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you. You know, like he even he even charges the big bucks to bling out his burger. There's a hundred and eighty dollar gold encrusted burger. And the, the haters hate this because any sane person knows that edible gold leaf adds nothing to the taste of a meal and contains just a small amount of actual gold. The weight does not justify the price. I mean, if you pan for gold in your toilet, the results probably won't come close to paying the tax on the meal. I get it. And my answer to that, once again, is so fucking what? Especially in Las Vegas, where people regularly pay $1,200 for a $60 bottle of vodka. Because they want other people to know that they can afford to spend $1,200 on a $60 bottle of vodka. Lots of world-class fine dining chefs adorn stuff with gold leaf simply for the gloriously decadent indulgence it represents. It gives you the chance to play Scrooge McDuck for a day. Oh, hated reference there. (laughs) I love Scrooge (laughs) McDuck diving into his vault. Um, You know, look, hell, in 2019, I wrote a story about the Hard Rock Cafe wrapping a burger in gold leaf, although... They only charge 25 bucks for it, but there's nothing new. And while the Northeast liberal in me might cringe at such a copious display of wealth and equality, the Las Vegas in me, the guy with the 702 tattooed across his <laughs> knuckles, he knows there is no place on earth better suited for such absurdity. And further, I'm sorry, the further people I t- <laughs> Take a breath. Take, take I'm a, just take getting mad breath. here. I know, you're just getting to the climax here. Oh, man, look, the further people take it, as long as I'm not footing the bill, the more I love it. How is a group of guys on their yearly Vegas trip going to celebrate the one friend who's still up a few grand on their last night in town? At a certain age, there's only so much hookers and blow you can handle, to the point where a salty slab of beef is probably better for your heart than those less legal <laughs> options. So get the gold-plated plated steak if you want to celebrate with bling i ain't doing it but do it 25 years ago when we both lived in new york i remember the big news story the culinary news story was 21 the legendary expense account restaurant Mm -hmm. put a 25 dollar burger on the lunch menu and everybody how could you possibly my pearls yeah and everybody and you know then the danielle balud did a burger and it was like a 90 dollar burger then out here in las vegas hubert keller did a thousand dollar burger it did come with a bottle of petrus to be honest so um but look you know there's just people like to bling out and i say go do it you know outside of our little town where i think is just the perfect place to spend stupid money on stupid things i'm told that um this chef is hugely popular among soccer players in europe in the middle east who have a ton of money why the fuck wouldn't some pro athlete out celebrating a win spend a literal shitload of money to eat gold How's it different from them going into a Vegas strip club to prove that they're badasses by making it rain? Okay, so I would suggest that when you're spending that kind of money, you not only tip appropriately, but you also ask the server about the nature of any service charge you find on the menu. I will concede Salt Bay has gone to court and won in other restaurants where servers tried to sue him for using some of the mandatory service charges to cover their wages. But honestly, I have no idea what the practices are here in Las Vegas. Love to do a story about that on local fees, tips, and who gets what at the restaurants. That is a story for another day. 
I've ranted about enough things today. We'll get into a separate rant on that one of these days. All right. For now, I just have to say, always ask where the service fee is going when you're at the restaurant. I was on a comp, so all I left was a straight-up gratuity, so that didn't come up. I'm hoping that went to my server because um, it was a gratuity for my server. Anyway, um, I'll shelf this, that rest of that for another day. But that's not going to hate. I'm not going to hate on him for the gold or the marketing or the Instagram food porn. It's too fucking easy, and if I'm going to hate on things, I want to do some things that are a little smarter. Um, and the truth of the matter is, there are some things I will criticize about this restaurant. But there's also th things that I like about it. To start, the place is pricey, but it's not always obscenely pricey. Salads come in at 25 bucks. Starters are 25 to 31. Although I'm going to tell you, the $31 beef carpaccio I had was large enough to be shared. It was the most interesting presentation of the dish that I've ever had. It was assembled at your table, one ingredient at a time, and then rolled into this meaty little burrito with all the taste and texture inside. They slice it um and honestly i'll take it over that so-called original traditional carpaccio being sold at a joint down the strip any day of the week for the fun i, wonder, factor I saw the picture of that that bright red yeah burrito looking thing yeah i thought it was some sort of weird dyed uh, tortilla no it's just a rolled off carpaccio wow slice so i thought that was a lot of fun yeah uh the half page of sushi on the menu is really weird um they have meat sushi for example with slices of prime new york strip served nigiri style with avocado cream and crispy potatoes and parmesan 25 bucks for three pieces is a lot but they were large and filling and probably be a lot of fun to eat as small bites at the bar and that's a key takeaway here man this place eating at the bar makes sense because this doesn't have a fine dining steakhouse feel to spell despite wow. the fact that they sell Wagyu of an unspecified origin that starts at 80 bucks for a 7-ounce portion in various forms, 14-ounce uh, Wagyu skirt steak meant to be um, uh, served to two people and shared is 160 But it actually feels more like an upscale sports bar, which seems to be a trend that's catching on in other markets. That might have a lot to do with the location next to T-Mobile Arena. The emphasis is on a lot of at-the-table preparations and presentations all of which, every single one of which, is designed for your Instagram or TikTok feeds. They bring a camera-ready, a camera phone-ready light and a sculpture yeah. filled with dry ice to the table to set up before each dish arrives. And the servers like to shout and simply scream when they're adding salt. Think about teppanyaki, right? When you go out for that and all the bells yeah. and the whistles without the tepping grill and a touch of maybe an elevated hard rock cafe. And then you'll be heading in the right direction, man. The crowd here was very blue collar with money the night that I was there. Lots of people heading into the bull riding competitions next door. Others dressed in the t-shirts from their Formula One teams that they worked oh, yeah. on. Um, most of them were in blue jeans. Most of them had cowboy hats or baseball caps on their heads through the meal. I was way the fuck overdressed because I was dressed <laughs> for a nice steakhouse and I felt silly. And But, you know, it's always funny that I can feel silly for being overdressed anywhere. Um, this crowd, they all seem to be comfortable. They all seem to be having fun. Sue and I had the signature chef's chef's signature menu for two. It included the um, aforementioned rolled carpaccio and the meat sushi. It was followed by the locum, which are four thin, large medallions of Wagyu with a total seven ounces. We also got the spaghetti, which has no spaghetti in it. It's just seven ounces of Wagyu strip loin that they cut thin and wrap on a fork to resemble oh spaghetti pasta. That one really didn't impress of all the other things that did impress me with the tricks. But um, hey, it's just because if you say spaghetti, I kind of want pasta. Yeah. But I didn't need it. Finally, they brought out the Wow steak, which is another 10 ounces of Wagyu. This time it's done much more traditionally. All of these had some sort of show at the table, lots of reasons to clap and shout or at least shoot your video. Um, 
The meal also came with a pair of very good sides, creamy spinach and mashed potatoes, two slices of baklava, which are also done table side with a big fucking production. They slice it, they put the ice cream inside it, they mash Whoa. it back together. Um, so there's a lot of showmanship going on here. That's is what, what I'm you're trying paying to say. for, yeah. You're paying for the dinner theater. Yeah. I think an eater reviewer once said, you know, that you, an eater of New York, I believe, that you need to look at his place as dinner theater and whether you're into that. And I would agree with that 100%. Um, I always check the bill even when I'm comped because I want to. <laughs> No, I was told in advance that with the inclusion of four cocktails, the price for all of that, and that was a lot of meat. If you think about all the steak yeah. that I talked about eating, it was four seventy-five for the two people before tax. So how's that stack up to other steakhouse pricing? Tough comparison, got to say, because this isn't a place I'd compare to Strip Steak or Bavette's or Gallagher's, which are all located yeah. nearby. For me, this was much closer to dining at a Churrascaria Rodizio, Brazilian kind of joint, where it's just beef, 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 Yeah, beef, big swords of beef, yeah. Right, that's what it reminded me, because um, it was just one presentation of meat after another, all meant to be fun. By those standards, this place is still a little pricey. And... To be honest, if I'm going to spend that kind of money on beef, which is very easy to do on the strip, yeah. spend like 400 plus $500 for two people at a steakhouse, I'd prefer to hear about the cow, how it was bred, not see the bells and whistles that these guys bring. But man, that's just me. That's what I'm into. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be. And while his celebrity factor doesn't mean much to a lot of people, perhaps American food snobs don't follow Turkish Instagram stars, uh, there's certainly an audience for celebrity chefs in Las Vegas, and this town is always happy to charge a premium for putting their names on restaurants. So there's prime... You know, there's there's, yeah. there's a lot of reasons that justify these prices. Also, prime real estate. This place used to be Sushi Rock, and it was pricey to eat there as well because it's expensive to have a restaurant just outside of T-Mobile Arena. You pay for location. This is a prime location. So, again, liking it, but not necessarily liking it for me, but liking it for a lot of other people. My biggest problem, and I feel sort of like a dick for saying it, is there was too much fucking salt on everything. Yeah, well. But that's what he's known for. Yeah. There's neon inside and out, proclaiming salt is life, or something like that. So you know what you're getting. You'll never go broke by giving Americans too much salt, I'm sure. Uh, I actually asked if customers ever yeah. requested that they hold back on the loud, boisterous addition of salt to everything. I'm told it does happen from time to time, and yeah. you should not be shy about asking, because that's the thing. Yeah. They throw salt on everything. They dip it in salt twice as they're I was going to say, and they probably cooked table. it in salt, too, to begin with, too. Yeah, so, you know, okay. Yeah. In the end, man, this isn't a place that Al Mancini and but Sue actually liked it a lot as well and thought it okay. um, really captured that um, the vibe of being next to T-Mobile. Good place to go before or after a game for some of the smaller snacks, a little bit of beef, whatever. Um, I don't see myself coming for dinner, but I rarely eat steak. And when I do, I'm looking for more info on that cow and less show, you know. I also don't have a celebrity fetish. fetish. Celebrity fetish. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, my blue collar with that blue collar with money audience that they're looking for bling in a sideshow. I mean, that's really not my crowd. But I can think of a lot of people I know who would have a blast here, and I would not balk at the prices for them, which are not ridiculous by Las Vegas standards unless you want them to be. <laughs> uh, so I could see myself going back before a Golden Knights game and having some bites at the bar. See, my idea of dinner theater was 1977 seeing Theodore Bakel in Fiddler on the Roof at a dinner theater in Seattle that used to be a bowling alley in the shadow of the Space Needle. Well, that sounds awesome. Yeah. My idea of dinner theater that was really cool once was at the Strat, where um, before a Frankie Moreno show, they um, they played Casablanca while they served us. So we actually got to watch the movie Casablanca wow. while we were eating, then we got a live show after. That was a lot of fun. 
Anyway. Cool. Well, um, all right. Uh, now, noted. Noted. So yeah. That, that is the deal. I've, 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 I've been, come I've, to an in-depth review yeah. since we started this podcast. <laughs> People will probably say it's too fucking long, but that's yeah, yeah. It. Well, my podcast. I might say that too, but then I, I helped make it long. So Yeah, we're, we're going to leave it. I, I'm glad to know that kind of stuff because I've received... People have said the lunch menu is actually sort of affordable, and it's a great burger, and and one should give that a, a, a try. There are just so many other places ahead on my list. Yeah, I like this place we are in now just yes. got on the oh, list, uh, and we'll be talking about my meal here very soon. Yeah. Um, the only other food that I need to mention about what I did, I went over to Gospel Brunch at DW Bistro on Sunday. Great food, amazing music, more than the little bit of politics that I was expecting. So depending on where you fall on the red blue spectrum, yeah. you may or may not have, may or may not have been happy to see Catherine Cortez Mastro and former President Bill Clinton show up to speak. People around us all seemed really to enjoy getting to shake hands with the former POTUS. Either way, it's a pretty big get for a small neighborhood restaurant. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to talk much more about it because I'm sure you guys are all still out there counting votes by the time you're hearing this and you're all pissed about politics, so you don't need me to bring it up any more than I just did. So since I went long there, I guess it's time for us to get to my dinner with Bella. Italian yeah, with where we're right here with Sean McLean, and that very same Sean McLean joins us next. This is Food and Loving. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. Welcome back. Our host for the podcast and our guest for this segment is James Beard Award-winning chef Sean McLean. Born in, I believe, San Diego. Correct me yes, if I'm wrong there. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Thanks, chef. Um, Sean became an icon in the Midwest thanks to his work at Trio in Evanston uh, before opening his own award-winning seafood restaurant, Spring. And in 2004, man, Sean, you were way ahead of the curve with the plant-based, or at least plant-forward, um, green zebra. Um you followed that up with the Chicago Steakhouse Custom House, which scored you a Best Chef Midwest Award for the Beard Foundation. I hope I'm getting all of that backstory right. Yeah, it's pretty close. Pretty close? Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Um, Las Vegas, was, however, was introduced to your um, food. 
with at the much lamented and much loved at the time Sage in Aria. And for a long time, that really was the resort's premier high-end dining destination. We're going to talk a bit about those early days, hopefully. Yeah, in Aria oh, absolutely. And the vibe then a little later. Um, you followed up that success with 550 Pizza at Aria. I want to talk about a lot more about Ooh. that later. And Libertine Social in Mandalay Bay, where you joined forces with master mixologist Tony Abu Ghanem. Um And actually, are you still involved with Libertine Social? Just oh, yeah, absolutely. I want to yep. make sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. But we, the reason we are here today is that Sean has a new Italian restaurant, Bala Italian Soul. It's where we're seated today. It is in the Sahara. It has this view of the Strip and on, I guess, last weekend or two weekends ago, pretty cool concert going on directly across oh, the yeah, street yep. when we were young. I don't know if you were open yet for that. We were we were open uh, that weekend. So uh, that Friday was canceled, of course, due to the high winds. And so a lot of people were <laughs> a little frustrated, but uh, it was great because we got to see a lot of people and uh, had a lot of people into the restaurant that weekend. So They just announced another big show that's happening out there in the spring. It's a lot more the bands that I'm a bit into, the, the corns, the system of the down. Deftones. Deftones. Yeah. Yes, yeah, um, it's an old favorite of mine. So absolutely. I'm sort of wondering if I can reserve maybe a table right here at this window now. Yeah, and Let's um, get a remote speaker in here for you. <laughs> yeah, how's how, what's the vibe in here when things are really popping on the strip? Does do you absorb that energy? Is it fun being this close to the corner of Las Vegas Boulevard and Sahara? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you know, and have spent so much time out here, you've really seen the uh, you know kind of the different iterations of what the Sahara was you know and and through sls and and now um what has really transformed over the last two years uh from the port of Cachere all the way into the new restaurants and for us to be a part of that kind of just re-blossoming of of a great you know property storied property uh on the north end of the strip which you know again has been a little bit sleepy uh, over the last 10 years and we've seen you know Resorts World popping up here, Fountain Blue back under construction. Uh, so there's new life in the North Strip, which is was really really cool. And, and I think timing wise, uh, I think Sahara's set you know to be great. And obviously having concerts across the street that you know is is always a, a bonus. Yeah. And also I think a dispensary on the other corner, although we're probably not supposed to talk about that because we're in a casino. But always good to let people know, depending on what your spirits or your spirits of choice. Right, right, right. Um, no, this is a great area. You're right next door to Jose Andres' yeah. restaurant, Bizarre Meat, which in my opinion is one of the best restaurants in Las Vegas. Yeah. So, you know, and then Chickies and Pete's, if yeah. you want to go get a Philly cheesesteak and um, and gamble. Yeah. That's right, yeah. right on the other, uh, two doors down on the other side. Yeah, Sahara's uh, super accessible. Um, you know, it, it definitely is not a mega resort, so it's really to get in and get out. And I think that really lends itself either being on the north end of the strip for locals uh, to get in. And, um, you know, the back of the days of Sage, we always uh, really welcomed and um, nurtured uh, having local Las Vegans dine. At Sage, we never wanted to just be known as a strip restaurant and, you know, just for those um, coming into town and tourism, but uh, just want to cultivate and be a part of the town. And I think we've constantly tried to, to be part of that fabric. And, you know, Vegas has always been a little second home to me uh, throughout this whole process. Well, it is great to always have you here. Um, you know, I had, I'm going to talk a bit about my meal here yeah. and how, but it also triggered a flashback in my mind. So I'm going to talk first about 
your restaurants in Aria. Now, when Ooh. you opened in Aria, you first opened up Sage, yep. which we've yep. been discussing. And oh my God, I don't think there is a serious foodie in this town who's been around for any length mm. of time that does not miss Sage. Yeah. It was beautiful. I would say a very elevated new American. Yeah. Um, do you think yeah. that's a fair description? Yeah, very fair. Yeah. Um, you know, and golded gild wall, gold leaf on the walls, but plush tones of purples in the lounge. Um, if I'm remembering yeah. right, yeah. fantastic bar staff. I can still remember the, you know, the faces and the names of many oh, of your yeah. bar people there. Um, you know, so if the first time I had ever had an, avia an aviation cocktail was mm -hmm. in there um you were known for and you will always be beloved for your foie gras creme brulee right, right. which you got to tell me where i can get that now <laughs> or you gotta make one uh, for me but it, it was very upscale and mm -hmm. during those early days of um aria you were it i mean there was bar masa behind you but yeah. it never quite clicked you yeah. had julian serrano right across the hall and he did great on the casual end yeah. but for the fine dining they hadn't really developed that upstairs enclave very well yeah it was not taking off to the way to the degree that it has right now right. um so i think for food for serious foodies everybody went to sage and it was it seemed like you know just a, a crazy success story and somebody bringing a new style of, of elevated fine dining at a time when a lot of other people were going more casual. You were right. still willing to be really, really fine and refined. Um, how did that play out and why did why is Sage no longer with us, I guess? Well, I, I mean, we, I'll start with the, the end first. I mean, we, uh, you know, contractually, we had a 10-year deal at Aria, and it came up during COVID. And, you know, looking back on COVID, we can see things more clearly uh, and kind of how we came out of it and when we came out of it and, and you know, how Vegas has responded uh, immensely post-COVID. Um, but during the time, it was pretty unknown and, and a lot of, you know, gray future. So I, I think it was just a decision at that point the contract was technically up. We were kind of going kind of month to month at that point. And, uh, you know, at some point, I, I think, you know, when Catch came in, um, and Catch was a huge success uh, for Ari and, and good for them, um, but it brought a different vibe to that section, and it was a lot more of a kind of a nightlife. Mm -hmm. um, and, and See I think, and be seen, yep. take your Instagram videos. Yeah, exactly. Um, yep. Fabulous people. I felt like entourage 10 years after entourage yes, kind of exactly. vibe. You know? yeah. yeah, but I think it kind of changed the dynamic of that corner, um, and I think they looked at, you know, Catch as somewhat of the future um, uh, for that area, and so... It was just a decision again and kind of the fog of war of, you know, of yeah. COVID to, to, to end that. And, um, and 550 kind of a similar time frame, um, but they were just wanting to have a little bit more control within the, in the property and, and ultimately just kind of sold them back, right. um, you know, retained all the intellectual Right. stuff on ours but all the business yeah all the business yeah, yeah. that makes las vegas run right and, right and yeah and, and catch is a fantastic restaurant that's over there you know yeah, over there now it is aria still has a tremendous restaurant program yeah but i miss you doing very elevated refined cuisine you know things yep. almost bordering on that french yep. you know yep. touch any chance do you ever do you miss making that do you miss serving that or has the time changed has the city changed mm -hmm. in the attitude 
Oh, I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, or have you changed? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a little bit of, yeah, I, I would say everything. But do I still enjoy it? Absolutely. Do I still, you know, um, you know, see the places, uh, uh, Robichon and, you know, and, and, you know, those types of dying experiences. And we were always wanting to be that one to two star place. We never were going for the, you know, the opulent over the top three star, but we wanted to just know. And, and to your point to have, you know, when the industry people missed it, I knew we were doing something right. You know, when your peers and, and your friends are, you know, messaging you, wow, we really miss a restaurant, really sorry. You know, my, you know, whenever my time, you know, taking my wife out or something away from the business they came into Sage. So all those things I, I, you know, really cherish. Um, but you know, I, I think to a certain extent, yeah, we all move forward and, and dynamics change. Yeah. Um, but you know, to me, I, I hope there's a little bit in, in Bala, there's a little bit in everything we touch now, um, and, and trying to, whether it's techniques, a flavor profile, um, you know, the foie brulee we're doing at Highlands in Detroit. So, uh, it does live. <laughs> Gives me uh, a reason <laughs> to go to Detroit, I guess. Yes. One of many, one of many. Uh, um, what, no, a lot of what you've done and even in Libertine as well, mm -hmm. I, I see on the menu here at Bala, uh, I see a lot of Sean McLean on this menu. And I was, if I had any trepidation about you coming in to do a restaurant at Sahara had nothing to do with the property. I know how great the renovation is and the team are, and I yep. know they're doing fantastic things. But it was that I was sort of afraid you were going to jump onto this new red sauce bandwagon that yeah. everybody is yeah. doing and everybody's trying to recreate, <laughs> um, you know, soprano style right, food. Right. And I was like, I'm not sure that I need Sean McClain yep. doing that for me. And I came in and I was at, set at rest at ease almost immediately. I mean, from the front where you see the, the meats and everything and yep. being sliced. Um, but really, I had a fantastic server who walked me through the menu. Mm -hmm. And um, I asked her, by the way, she needs a copy of Food and Loathing in Las Vegas. So I get, need to get her name all right, and I'm going right. to drop her that um, <laughs> because she was unfamiliar with the book. That, mm -hmm. Other than that, she knew everything yeah. about your menu, though. And she was brilliant. And I really enjoyed it. And I asked her, as soon as I sat down, I said, what would Sean want me to have? You know, wh what should I eat? She recommended five dishes. I steered away from a couple of them because I had some antipasti that I really wanted to try. But mm -hmm. for the most part, I followed her her recommendations. I would not have ordered a pizza, and I was not thinking of pizza when I came in here because just after the fog of COVID, yep. 550 pizzas was just not yeah. top of mind for me. It's almost yeah. as if, I don't want to say I'd forgotten it existed. I always yeah. remember if somebody said it, but it just wasn't, when I thought Sean McLean, yep. I was thinking Libertine, I was thinking yep. Sage. Those yep. were what were top of mind for me. Your waitress recommended this pizza, and it came to the table. And my wife sat there. It was a Roman-style margarita. Mm -hmm. um, very simple, very basic. And Sue says to me, this may be the best fucking pizza I've had <laughs> in years. And it was the, the dedication to ingredients, mm. just the perfect execution, a gorgeous crust. It was a pizza that the pizza scene has changed so much yeah. in the 10 years since you opened 550. Yeah, it sure has. When you opened 550, that easily would have been one of the best three or four pizzas in Las Vegas. Yep, yep. But there were not a lot of great Yep. pizzas in Las Vegas. I still, I think you're a contender now with these yeah. three pizzas that you're doing here. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm saying That's this awesome. to all my pizza friends out there, to, to everybody out there that who loves pizza, come in here and try the pizza because you will be blown away by how good it is unless 
you then remember how good it fucking was at 550. <laughs> and then, yeah, you'll be like, yeah, yeah, you're just an idiot for forgetting from the beginning. Yeah. But that was cool. So, you know, there are only three styles of the pizza on the, or three, one style, three pizzas on the menu. Yeah. But was it important for you to keep pizza going? And was 550 an inspiration? Well, absolutely. Um, you know, I think in context of the menu, we definitely were, we, we saw that as kind of rounding out the experience. Uh, we didn't want to dedicate too much to it because it's always a tricky line of menu sales if you're just too heavily into pizza, both production-wise, uh, service-wise. Um, and we really want to highlight uh, the pastas and, and, and really some of the beautiful uh, meats and fish we do um, on top of antipasti, as you mentioned. So we wanted to kind of just find that nice little niche for it what we do, we really want to spend, you know, and, and make it the three best, the two best, whatever ends up landing on the menu. Um, and as it evolves and, and we, we change it seasonally. Um, but, you know, the dough itself uh, is still an incarnation of where it was with 550. It's not the same. Um, it's different, you know, and it's been played with a little bit. It's a higher hydration. It's a different flower. Um, you know, we got inspiration from Roman style pizzas, uh, you know, oil content, a little denser, um, you know, so we just kind of, you know, we had some time, we, <laughs> the project was delayed, uh, for many reasons as everything is these days. And so we had some extra time to cook, which was great. Um, and, uh, came up with ultimately a product that we just absolutely loved. And, you know, the fact that you, uh, are singing its praises is, is confirmation that we, we hit it. Uh, we hit it right. So it was fantastic. Uh, before that, we started off with a little antipasta, and your antipasta menu is really interesting. You have um, everything from the basics like salami and cheese and burrata, or them tomatoes. Uh, those were the kind of things that I was directed in the direction of. Also, the marinated octopus. But I get it. And the marinated octopus here, by the way, done with Calabrian uh, peppers, so Italian hot chili peppers. So that did entice me. Mm. I've just been eating so much fucking octopus lately <laughs> that I just I wasn't. Hey, you know, right. sometimes yep. you, hey, you eat a lot of something so we went on i tried the your crispy stuffed peppers with spiced fennel sausage and lemon aioli and um we also did a lamb tartare yeah that really spoke to me and kind of reminded me almost of a, that libertine mentality yeah maybe i don't know if you would agree but it was that kind of earthy dish so um the peppers really wild but took in a very the two antipasta very different directions i thought the lamb to, Tartar was a more elevated dish. Yep. Um, you know, it was a delicate, a delicate, yep. yeah, exciting dish. Um, you know, it was one where you wanted to mix in all those ingredients and you wanted to see it and you wanted to, uh, it just, it, it was a fun, slow to savor, enjoyable, look for all the little flavors in it kind of dish. Um, now the sausage, the stuffed peppers with sausage, also a lot of flavors in there, yeah. but delicate would not be a yeah. word. That no, is, it's a, it's a pop, it's full, it's rich, it's it's all those things, yeah. That's San Gennaro Festival in New York City, like street food kind right. of Italian, like really just, it, it had that street kind of vibe to yep. it. I don't yep. know if that's what you were going for, but it was, it was a little messy, a little sloppy, yep. it was popping with flavor, and two extremes on those, I enjoyed both of them quite a bit. Great, great. No, I think that's perfect, and I think, you know, when we try to speak to... You know, Vegas is such a wide audience, you know what I mean? And we want to hit a lot of different notes with a lot of different, uh, you know, um, dishes. So I think that's it's a great way to look at it. And, you know, lamb tartare is definitely not something that's going to be our best seller. Um, but for the people that get it, um, you know, we've had just tremendous response from it. So, Is that sort of 
I don't, I don't want to say lost leader, but sort of a audience leader. Oh, yeah, that's the place that had that. I need to come back to have that and then try something else. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, but again, anything, you know, raw is always a little polarizing. Um, and, uh, you know, I, you know, just the, again, the audience and who's in town and who's in the building and, and, and all of that, um, you know, we may see nights where we barely sell any and then other nights where, you know, we're like, wow, you know, we sold 15. That's awesome. Well, I hope people come in and try it. Speaking of those dishes that are, you know, the wow, I, I, now that I've heard of that, I'm going to go and check other things. You know, that's what your foie brulee was like over yeah. at Sage, I yeah. think. Was that unique? That was that, that I, and the dish, of course, yeah. was unique. Yeah. But that, that idea, had you ever had a restaurant where an unusual dish like that took on such a life of its own? Uh, that was not my own that I've tried somebody else's um, or no or within one of your restaurants. Have you ever had something that became such a signature? And I don't know if you viewed it that way as a signature, but among foodies among like, Oh yeah. People, it was like yeah. the Holy shit, do that and get some real absinthe. And that was like yeah. your night in the lounge at Sage. Well, and the fob relay too. And again, I've, I, somebody could probably do some record finding and probably some arguments would abound, but you know, I did the first one we used to do at a restaurant trio uh, outside Chicago, fine dining. We did a trio of foie gras nightly. Um, and so I was always kind of forcing myself into corners with what can I do differently on one of these three preparations. And probably 94, 95, I did the brulee. Um, and it was on and off. And you know, didn't really think much about it. Then I brought it back a couple years later. Um, and then it wasn't really until Sage that I was just like, you know, that worked really well. It was fun. It seems like a dish that just has one of those little, like, little unique wow factors to it. And so we kind of brought it back full time. And, you know, the, the rest is history with that and the amount we sold and, and all of those. Uh, and, you know, becomes a little bit of the thing you're remembered for, which is, which is funny. Um, but I think, yeah, it never was intended to be anything other than, hey, how can I do? And we did a, a foie mousseline for many, many years as well. Um, that kind of, I mean, I would love to bring that back too because it's kind of unique. Yeah. Um, what, um, I mentioned uh, Green Zebra. Correct? Yep. Am I getting, getting the name of the yep. restaurant Green right? Zebra, yep. Was that a vegan restaurant or was that just a vegetable-forward restaurant at the time? So it was vegetables. Um, when we first opened in 2004, we had, um, it was a collection. We called it a collection of like 17 plates. Uh, one menu, no breaks on the menu, kind of light to heavy. Uh, we had one organic chicken breast at the bottom and we had one uh, fish at the bottom. So... 15 veg dishes, one fish, one chicken. And it, it was kind of a funny process through the years of, um, you know, people who, you know, the word vegetarian, you know, I think it's more clearly defined. I know it sounds ridiculous to even say that, but there was a time when, oh, I'm a vegetarian, I eat fish. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you're not a vegetarian, you eat fish, yeah. you know, um, and, and we would laugh, but, you know, it, it was kind of a more of an eating style. It was more about bringing vegetables forward, which, you know, I felt was really underutilized. At Trio, we did veg tasting menus, and, you know, we just hear comments like, hey, I'm a vegetarian. I never get food really kind of out of the box or, you know, and so that kind of inspired the restaurant. Um, but then vegetarians would be mad because there was a chicken on the menu mm -hmm. or a fish on the menu, and so... 
about four years in, we just said, hey, let's just go all in. You know, I mean, we're kind of skirting to it. Like, we know why we're doing this, but the world doesn't know why we're doing this. And so we decided to pull the chicken and the fish. And so we went straight veg. Uh, it was probably, I, I'm, a, I'm a big dairy fan. I love cheese. I love, you know, so... I can enjoy vegan food, um, but if I'm a vegetarian, I'm I'm indulging uh, in in dairy. Um, but we had options for for vegan, um, but it kind of just evolved into 100% veg and probably 40% vegan. The reason I ask is because that was incredibly groundbreaking at the mm-hmm. time. It was very ahead of the the public, but we've now gotten to a point where that that would be mainstream yeah. today. Yeah. Oh yeah. And we now have Crossroads Kitchen on the Strip. Yep. Um, you know, we have Truth and Tonic doing breakfast and lunch over at uh, Venetian Palazzo. I'm wondering, have you ever toyed with the idea of bringing something vegetarian or vegan to Las Vegas? I haven't. I mean, I think that conversation, you know, uh, maybe midway through Sage years, and so that would have put us to like maybe t- 2012, 13. Um, I mean, we still. Uh, Green Zebra was still thriving at the time in, in Chicago. And yeah, there was probably some early thoughts then, but it was really hard to kind of wrap my head around to thinking, is Vegas ready for this style of restaurant? And at the time, I just thought it was no, you know, and it, I mean, it took some time. I mean, we're 10 years later yeah. now. And yeah, I think you were right at the time. I think yeah. it would have been. Yeah, it would have been crickets. Not, <laughs> yeah, crickets as people ask you where they could get a big fat steak. Right, you know? right. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I mean, the influence of, I mean, can't be understated of Southern California's influence into Las Vegas and um, the produce and all the things that we kind of are connected to um, and and the style of eating and the health and all the things that have kind of evolved over the last 5, 10, 20 years. Um, it's just been constantly moving in that direction. And um, it's, it's still a restaurant that's near and dear to my heart. I, I wish, you know. If I had endless time and, you know, uh, energy and, and spaces to do, I'd love to, to resurrect it, though. Cool. Uh, getting back to Bala, um, I did not have any pastas while I was here, uh, but we went on to two of the main courses. Mm-hmm. And we had your sea bream, which was just absolutely beautiful, mm-hmm. perfectly prepared, um, served with lemon capers and wild greens. Um, it, it, again, brought up that open fire kind of cooking technique that, that I've seen you do yep. at Libertine yep. places like that uh, so that that immediately came to mind as I was doing that we also did a steak we don't usually order steak in a restaurant yeah. that's not a steakhouse but it came recommended and it was fantastic yeah. we loved it with more garlic on it than I could possibly <laughs> imagine which for me is the greatest thing ever yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. and I guess what I'm trying to get at is there's a little bit of everything here there are uh, about a half a dozen pastas but you can you can go without having pasta and have a really varied meal like my I wife don't know I if you can go without pasta you did but i don't know if I, i'm gonna allow that next time okay well, um, well there's back. just i mean there's you know the complexity of you know any pasta some of it is really straightforward pastas are really um really well cared for um handmade just beautifully you know constructed together um, so next time, uh, that is maybe you're just coming here just for pasta. I'm going to serve you every one of them. <laughs> Come in for uh, pasta yeah, tasting yeah, anytime, pasta man. Tasting. Anytime. Um, and then when we get down to the, you know, the mains, and you mentioned the seam bream, the steak, it's really, you know, going back to sage and everything. You know, quality of ingredients first, simplified cooking, um, and just just great ingredients. And and those, 
the steak and, the, and those are two great examples. They're just really simply prepared, um, but we just try to do the execution at, at the highest level and, and just kind of let the, the meat speak for itself. And, and there's a lot of garlic on there that kind of helps too. So <laughs> The one thing I will say about the pasta selection, because I did look it over very closely, yep. and there, there's a lot on this menu that looked delicious, yep. um, but it did not fall into that predictable yep. Of the moment, let's try to all be the Sopranos and do Northern New Jersey style right, red right, sauce yeah. joints. You know, you're doing pastas that are, I mean, the first one that jumped out to me that I didn't have, but I always love a good puttanesca sauce. And you do squid ink shells, puttanesca with mint and squid. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got um, capoletti with with the brown butter and pistachios. I mean, these are not your 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 rigatoni and red sauce kind yeah. of deal. Although there is a bolognese on here. Spaghetti yeah. With bolognese yeah. That's our, well. that's our, our nod. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I think, you know, I think Bala in a nutshell or just kind of more, you know, is, is more about central and Southern and even some Sicilian influence. It's a little brighter. It's a little bit lighter. Um, and, and I think you hit it on the head. It was really not on the red sauce. You know, I mean, that was our, our first tenant when we spoke about, you know, developing the concept with this is not a red sauce Italian restaurant. And so how do we bring the best of what we're doing, best of, you know, uh, you know, regional produce, um, uh, which is, you know, we, we really, you know, foragers and uh, stew and carry and, you know, bringing that same great stuff that they've been bringing to us for years. How do we incorporate that? And uh, inspire into an Italian lens and um, it really came out to a much lighter um, brighter you know even some of the the pasta a little spicy too um, underlying a lot of that stuff as well so lively and um, very reasonably priced I would say this restaurant your goal is to I would assume to not make this as you know a slap in the face to somebody who's who's struggling financially yeah. oh absolutely I mean, you well, know a Vegas lot of these, is yeah but and a lot of times Vegas is all about though the excess right yeah yeah talk also in this show about going to salt base place and some right, excess right. but um you know and coating things in gold and yeah. you're not about that yeah. right Never I, mean, I look at the prices on these pastas and you know you've got them 21 22 24 24 42 for the linguine with um with the crab um the squid ink shells i mentioned at 35 with the squid as well so you know we're not talking about super pricey this is a place where you can come in kind of sit down um have a light snack if you want have one of those fantastic pizzas if you want or come in for a full meal and you could do it from the the anapasti to yeah, the freebie the to down, the secundi yeah. and you know go all the way through so yep. i think there are a lot of ways you can enjoy this restaurant and i really do love the vibe here yeah Thank you. Yeah, we love the way it came out. Nancy Polino was a designer, and I mean, it feels refined, but relaxed and bright and airy, uh, but love the finishes. And, you know, we're just trying to just polish all the edges right now. And, um, you know, being we've two weeks old, three weeks old, so we're still... <laughs> We're still learning every day right now. Am I looking up at real olive trees here? Uh, they are really look like olive trees, but no, they <laughs> yeah. are. Yeah. I was going to say because yeah, olive trees fruit. with all fruit bearing <laughs> olive trees, I believe, are illegal in Clark County. I really had no idea about that. Oh, yeah, because we wanted to do it, but uh, they said, nope, can't do it. Is that right? Yeah. The, 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 the pollen, I think it is. 
Uh, not good for the, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot grandfathered around town, but uh, you can't bring in new ones. Cool. Interesting. So, I was going to go pluck an You're going to go pluck one right <laughs> no, there? No, probably not. Well, Chef, uh, congratulations on the new spot. Thanks for having me in the other night. I will be back very frequently, I promise yeah, you. Yeah, I look forward to that. It's always great to see Al, and uh, yeah, always a, a huge fan, and you know, been a great supporter of ours over the years and likewise i hope you feel that love right back at you it is yeah absolutely i do and it's my pleasure and my honor to um to be able to come in and talk to you man. cool and we'll get pasta ready for you next time <laughs> sounds good <laughs> thanks a lot all right the news is next this is food and loathing It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for the news. And by the time you hear this podcast, the prayers of Summerlin area Thai fans will have been answered. As Lotus of Siam will have opened at Red Rock Resort. Yeah. I'm headed to a party over there tonight to celebrate the grand opening. But for now, I have this brief interview with owner Penny Chitima. Super excited. You know, it's just one of those things I wanted all of Vegas or even more to understand that this isn't just Thai food. It's like Thai culture. So along those lines, what did you try to bring in to really represent it? Is it in the art and the architecture and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, so it's this area, if you've ever been to Chiang Mai, this is probably what you would really see brick, old brick walls, like ruins and stuff. But the funny thing is it's because they couldn't give me a full red, red brick. So this is what we got right now. <laughs> but if like you look above, it's like rusted uh, aluminum rails and everything. It's just one of those things that it's, Thai culture. Um, so I guess the big question is, what made you want, after having one of the most successful off-strip restaurants in Las Vegas for decades, your family has had, what made you want to go into a casino, and why did you choose Stations? Stations for me is, you know, I always hang out at Red Rock when I was younger. Clearly, we had the bowling alley, we had the theaters, we had the arcade, and, you know, it was just always busy. You know, and then on top of it, the Fertitta family is actually very welcoming. Like, they're very homegrown, very family-oriented. And that was definitely one of the things that took place in my heart. And when the discussion came about, I was like, why not? So, for those who know the original restaurants, um, now, of course, there's only one, but people know them from two off-strip locations. How's the menu going to be similar, and how is it going to change for this location? Uh, it's actually very similar. We're probably removing, I want to say like maybe four or five items 
from the Flamingo location menu to this one. But you gotta remember, because of COVID, Flamingo menu from three or 400 items are down to like 150, you know? So it's one of those things. For those who may never have experienced Lotus of Siam, maybe have only ever heard about it because it's gotten so much national press, how would you describe the restaurant? The experience from the moment you walk through the door to what you eat to, you know, just the entire vibe you're trying to create? You know, for anyone that's brand new, I always tell them, like, you know, we provide the service of the land of smiles. You know, that's what Thailand is known for. And for us, I don't want people to just assume that it's just pad thai and just a coconut soup. You know, I want them to be able to experience Thai food in general without doing the Americanized way. You know, we actually use the same flavor profile as Thailand, but we just use updated um, proteins. So clearly we don't have sea bass in Thailand, so we'll do sea bass here. We have short ribs here. We're very Americanized proteins, but with a Thai flavor profile. can we talk, I know we're mainly here to talk about Lotus of Siam opening, but you have two other projects coming to Red Rock. What can you tell me about those? <laughs> Currently right now, we're, um, my business partner and I are doing Naxos Taverna, and we're also having the Oyster Bar Calisto. And, you know, it's just one of those things that I feel like Summerlin needs. You know, we're, I always hang out here, clearly, but it's one of those things that, you know, if Palace Station can have it, but that's such a far drive where... Right here is down the street from many other people, and especially Summerlin residents. You know, we all want that Palace Station <laughs> oyster bar style food. We always want anything else besides like your basic chain restaurants here. So we wanted to bring a different vibe. I want to be there so bad, but I know I'm going to have to wait a week or two for the crowds to uh, to thin out there at uh, Red Rock. I think. Well- um, I don't know. Maybe we make a couple phone calls for you. Try to get you in sooner. Oh, you know people, don't you? I think you know people. <laughs> anyway, the Golden Tiki has launched, launched its monthly cocktail for November, the CB Cooler. It's being sold throughout the month of November to, ve- to benefit Month of Memories, and I spoke to barman Adam Rains about it. It's part of our monthly charity initiative where we do uh, a mug and a cocktail for charity. Um, the mug is this beautiful black uh, idol of a mug. And you can have it in the mug or you can have the drink by itself. The mug is $35. The drink by itself is 16 Proceeds go to uh, Month of Memories. And it is fall in a glass. It has Jack Apple and all kinds of winter spices, rye whiskey in there as well. A little bit of citrus, a little bit of cranberry. Why do you like doing these monthly cocktails? It feels great to do something that where you can give back. I mean, we always give great experiences to people, and that's part of what we do. But it also actually to do it in a tangible way where we can help people, it, it, it just feels great. And I think that's about it for this week. I know it went long, but I hope you've been sticking around listening. Big thanks to Sean McLean um, for both hosting and joining us. Also, big thanks to Penny Chutima and to Adam Rains for chatting with us. Tell a friend about Food and Loathing. If you've made it this far, you must love this podcast. Tell your friends you can get it anywhere darn where they listen to podcasts. Because clearly, you've already found it because you're listening. Uh, anyway, darn where. I know. <laughs> Info at foodandloathing.vegas is how you find us. Let us know how we're doing. And if you haven't done it yet, download the Neon Feast app. Use it to find your next dining destination, the Neon Feast app, or 
neonfeast.com. And finding the next Al Mancini de- destination is a bit more challenging, but I'm pretty much everywhere, so you should be able to find me. Talking food on lots of other venues. For example, you can see me every other Wednesday on the CW Las Vegas at approximately 8.15 a.m. I think I'm going to be doing two weeks in a row coming up, actually. Alrighty, yeah. And uh, catch you all week on the uh, Neon Feast update on The Vibe. 99.7 in Vegas, 98.1 on the way to California, and 98.9 when you're enjoying the magic that is Laughlin. And every Thursday morning around 8, 10 a.m. on the club, AM 670, KMZQ. With Rich Johnson, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry.